We'd love to tell you guys about another amazing podcast, The Going Beyond with Randy Zinn. Randy is an author, mother, and entrepreneur who is curious about living a life that is always evolving. This lifestyle podcast covers health, both of the mind and the body, self-care, business and entrepreneurship, and cultural disruption, plus topics that we sometimes avoid. Does it sound a little familiar? Well, we think that you would love it because it does feel like an extension of the work that we're doing here on The Third Place. This podcast is a space and community for people who are willing to do the hard work of growth, get connected with their expert interviews, soulful explorations, and deep dive discussions with visionaries, survivors, creators, and movement makers. Their stories will move you to cultivate more strength and clarity during every step of your day. Listen now to the Going Beyond podcast with our friend Randy Zinn and get ready to live the empowered life you deserve. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts and let us know what you think. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging, empowering, and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Well, over this last year, we've seen a lot of increased violence in the family, just tension in the family, <laughs> being together for maybe too long. And even now, as we look into the spring, I'm reminded that this time every year, we're all feeling a bit of cabin fever. Uh, but now more than ever, we're ready just to get outside and kind of expand and just stretch. But with all of that comes some negative as well. We've seen increased reports of domestic violence and trauma within the family unit where people might normally have outlets with other people to process emotions and tensions. So we found today's guest, and we're excited about this topic because we're talking about how to bring the practices of yoga into the family unit, and specifically how to heal, how to create peace in the family through yoga practices. Since 1986, Dee Marie has practiced medically-based Ayurvedic yoga therapy, and earn a master's degree from NYU in therapeutic exercise, child, and motor development after being told by doctors that she would never walk again. After Dee proved this dire forecast wrong, she spent four years studying the effects of integrating a classical yoga program during school to regulate behavior, increase concentration, and teach stress management. The mission of her program, Calming Kids, Creating a Nonviolent World, is to train children, teens, and adults using a proven curriculum of yoga education. Dee Marie works with all ages and abilities, helping individuals find balance in an ever-changing world of challenges and joys. Well, welcome, Dee Marie. Thank you so much for coming to The Third Place. It's really an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. I love this. 
You know, I have to tell our listeners, so I was first introduced to Dee's work with Ayurvedic yoga therapy from my mom. Um, Side note, my mom is like the honorary board of advisors to this podcast. So she's given us some of the best, uh, best tools and insights and connections that any mom as a super fan would. So I'm grateful for this connection, especially. And, you know, I want to just start with, can you tell us a little bit about your work and, and why you do it? Hmm. How far back do you want me to go? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'd love to, I'd love to hear if there was a pivotal moment in your life that sort of brought you to this work. Well, that's really, um, there's a couple of, you know, huge pivotal moments. And the first pivotal moment was, uh, when I was a young adult and I was dancing professionally in New York city and it was a big snowy night And I went to get in a taxi cab and all of you guys who have ever been to New York, uh, you know, you can think of how, how many, uh, cabs and how much traffic there is and taxis typically don't really pull over. They sort of just kind of halfway pull over and stop. And I went to get into the taxi cab and I was halfway in and it got rear-ended by a truck. And as a result, um, I was told that. I would never walk again. I would never dance again. And so there was this, you know, moment in my life of like, whoa, I've trained all my life for this. I was at the height of my career. What am I going to do? And that overwhelming emotions. I mean, think about the emotions that come up. Anger, sadness, frustration, depression, all these things, and not clinical depression, just this this heaviness of life, you know, slamming down on you. What do I do now? And so being a dancer, yoga was always something we studied, but we studied it from a a slow, uh, more physical plane. Uh, It's slower dance and it's something that complements to give you the body awareness to dance well. So I had studied yoga since I was about 10 years old. My mom turned me on to my first yoga class. And so moving along and teaching, starting to, I got a master's in uh, child and motor development, specifically for the motor development piece at that time. And I studied many, many different techniques, many uh, healing techniques. I did many healing techniques for myself and all different kinds of exercise therapy. And after doing all of those things, I landed on yoga because yoga has the mind emotions and physical body and breathing body. It has all these bodies in, in yoga. We call that the koshas, our veils of bodies. We have these different bodies of our being. And I couldn't go in the way we think of as a uh, yoga or exercise class at the beginning. I couldn't go that way. So I had to go in through the mind first. And I went more to the higher levels of yoga and then came back to the physical body. Once I could move and dance and roller skate, I ski, I do everything. Um, And I love the idea of proving the doctors wrong and not necessarily listening to what others say is our forecast in life. One of the things that you said, I had never heard yoga called this a slower dance before. And I think that that's just so beautiful because it brings the image of of just that and that it is, it's a dance. And that it seems that 
the only way to get to this depth of yoga work that you do now is really that you started from that mental sort of headspace to get down. And I wanted to like have you expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I I love that just because when when I think of yoga and not that I'm like, it's a practice that I want to learn about, right? It's not that I'm a daily practitioner, but the mind route, I never thought about separating those two as, as access points, but it makes so much sense to me that you, out of necessity, needed to access it through the mind first. I have a lot of questions around that. I think that there's something really beautiful about saying it in that way because it is this realization that yoga is a, a practice that embodies both the mind and body. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big thing. And that brings us to the idea of, of Ayurveda. And as a yoga therapist, we work with uh, the sister science to yoga, which is Ayurveda. And we think of yoga as a uh, spiritual technique, yoga and how I can phrase it in the schools, because I work a lot in school, is that yoga is a system of transformation and uh, evolving our habitual patterning to a better place, to evolving ourselves to a higher level of, of being here on this planet in compassion and collaboration with ourselves and others, finding that inner kindness and working with ourselves to get there is what yoga is about, aka a spiritual technique. And Ayurveda is the science or the health system that parallels with yoga that looks at our, our um, lifestyle behaviors, our lifestyle choices, meaning our, our diet, our um, patterns of how we take care of ourselves on a daily basis, our nurturing techniques, are they all in line with helping us to get to this higher place? And so there's so much to the yoga system and yoga therapy is a very different uh, thing than uh, the yoga mat and the exercise that people think of. Hmm. Also, people think of yoga as, oh, that's a healthy thing. And it is healthy. But again, the science of health and yoga is Ayurveda. Okay, that's, that's interesting. I still, even though I do practice physical yoga, right, going to my mat and doing the movement of it, I would love to learn about more of the the context that sort of is beyond the mat with yoga therapy, if you can give a little bit of insight into what some of those practices look like in conjunction or in sisterhood with Ayurveda as well. Well, yeah, um, let's go, let's go back to this word I used before, this sort of veil of ourselves, this layer of ourselves or, um, body of being we have in the yoga system, we have five bodies of being and we have the physical body, which is the largest, the grossest, large, meaning largest body that we, we need to take care of. Because you all know when we have a pain in our neck or a pain in our back, we are kind of grouchy. When, yeah. we, when we have uncomfort in our abdomen, sometimes we just can't focus because all we can think about is our abdominal 
like after Thanksgiving when we're so full, it's like the only focus you have is your abdomen. So when we're so focused on these physical sensations, we can't sort of move beyond. And so in yoga class, we do the exercises to take away some of that outer um, or that physical um, power that creates so much focus of our attention. And then, as you know, in yoga class, we work on our breathing and relaxation. So we work on what's called that energetic body, um, approaching the pranic body. The prana means the life force energy. So the next layer of our being is this prana or energy, which encompasses our breathing and how we breathe affects everything as well. The quality of our breath, the consistency of our breath, and our emotions affect our breath and our breath affect our emotions. So if we're, uh, the best way to think about it is, you know, when you cry, it's like, That's so, that's so perfect. And, and even our, even through the listening, you know exactly what Dee is explaining. You know how that breath, that's the only time I can think of when your breath just gets off, but it happens when you almost get in a car accident. We often start to go into this chest breathing, this anxious breath, and we have to, you know, say, okay, calm down. And, and there's this, you know, huge buzzword now, which is take, take a deep breath. And that sometimes work and sometimes doesn't. And especially working with uh, uh, children and teens, that's not your best cue. Take a deep breath. It often goes up into the neck and shoulders uh, uh, until someone understands how to breathe deeply, which is why I work with this work in the schools. Um, But to, to finish with what we're saying is that the next layer is this emotional body Mm. and how we, I just explained how when you're physically uncomfortable, it affects your emotions. You get angry, back pain, right? Um, when we are in emotional state, it affects our breathing. So these are, these are all parts of ourselves and they interweave, um, like a beautiful pattern of, uh, a silk. They weave together and the emotional body has to be looked at as well and how the emotions affect the other two bodies and how the other two bodies affect the emotions. Um, then we go into what's called the wisdom, the wisdom body or the wisdom sheath of existence. Uh, what I'm explaining right now are called the koshas, the koshas, the veils of existence, the sheaths of ourselves. And the wisdom body is that sixth sense, that ability to say, oh, ha, I know what to do. I am under conflict. I know what to do. I am under attack. I know what to do. Or I'm not sure what to do, but maybe I can uh, contemplate it for a few minutes and have that aha moment. So that wisdom body has to be uh, somewhat strengthened. Uh, some intuits, you know, they can just channel and have, have that intuitive sense or, um, you know, can predict the future. But in a way, we all can. We just have to strengthen that part of our, our brain, that prefrontal cortex of the brain. And then when we, we balance all these bodies, we then feel more happy and joyful. And that doesn't mean it's a constant state, but it means that 
the kind of what we say in yoga, the muck of life, the, the, the intensity or the swamp of life that comes up and down, like we've just been dealing with over the last year. When the swamp rises, can we still find joy and happiness or do we sink into the muck? And there's been a lot of that going on over the last year because of not understanding how to come into balance with all these parts of ourselves and create acceptance. Right. And I think that's what it feels like to me is that uh, to kind of go through these different areas, there's this individual version of that to see our breath, to see how crazy our breath is. And I think I have so many questions right now about this muck because it's much more of this collective. Like I feel like the whole world right now is going, (laughs) you know, and it's crazy with breath. So, so how do we, like, how do we deal with this on this bigger collective way? Like how do we calm ourselves? Because it's, it's in this state of uncalm, I think that, that we're seeing heightened states of aggression. We're seeing people empowered and there's this like bottled up tension that's showing up in ways like the insurrection, you know? So, so really how do we take all of these collective individual pieces and apply them in this big social nonviolent way as a, as an entire society? Well, in the yoga system, we would say meditate. Um, the peace begins with you. Uh, we have to go back to our, uh, you know, in, in yoga asana, we say go back to your mat. Um, in more from the meditative standpoint, go back to your cushion, sit and, and find the peace within yourself. And as you're uh, meditating and finding that peace within yourself, it actually, if we could get everyone to meditate, it creates a wave into the universe that can create this wave of peace um, on a global scale, ideally. But the the system of Ayurveda can help with a little bit what you just said, David, about the, I love it, the muck. We're talking about the muck. (laughs) Ayurveda brings to us the concept of there are these elements, these five elements in nature that are all, all around us. And these five elements in nature are, are within us. And these elements are ether, air, fire, water, and earth. And when these elements get out of balance is when we get out of balance or when we get off with these elements. So we think of the air as stress, Okay, think of think think of the fall day when the wind is blowing and the trees are blowing and the leaves are scattering all over the place and they're falling down and it's like and that feeling when you're in the wind is like whoa it's really windy. I mean everybody has that whoa windy. Well, it's been windy not only through the pandemic, but a lot of social struggles and political climate. There's been so much wind, so much wind. So you've got the wind thing going on. Then on the flip side, let's go to the talk about the earth. Now, the earth element is this idea if we think about the earth and the earth turns, but it turns really slowly right? It turned, but it's got a turn, but it turns slow. Well, all of us have been asked to stay home, 
not be out there, not being windy or fiery or just not moving, just stay home and sit in front of a computer, even our children. And what can happen with that, that earth quality, which is slower, is it kind of can stop easily. It, it's moving so slow it stops. So you put everybody in front of a computer or at home and everybody feels kind of trapped and it gets stuck. And as earth gets that stuckness with that element of ourselves, again, go back to the idea, these are just elemental qualities. Then the, the kind of aggression, the de- depression, aggression can come out. And that's the, the fire is the idea that, you know, we love to do things, our passion. We want, we want to connect with people. We want to do things. We want to get out. We want to have fun, fun, joy. We want to shine bright in our lives and we're not able to do that. So we're sort of squelched and squelching a fire, stopping the earth, feeling too much wind. It's really elementally throwing us so off balance that if you understand it or have these systems in place, you can transcend to, to come into balance and find the joy. And that's why I teach in the schools because I do still teach adults. I teach seniors. I teach all ages. I teach special needs people, but I teach in the schools because my feeling is if a child could learn this from an early age and grow up with reading, writing, and breathing, you know, math and mindfulness, science and self-regulation, what a better world it would be. Yeah, you so beautifully put the story to the out-of-whack feeling that all of us are collectively experiencing, right? I see this, like, this wind energy, and it's like it's happening all around us, and there's no way to sort of ride the wind in a positive way. And instead, because of that sort of pent-up trap feeling, the fire is surfacing, there's not positive or or productive releases of joy as frequently by not being able to gather or do the activities or go to the community centered or places that we used to, that it feels like what I love about the understanding that I have of elements is that that means that the wind is just igniting the fire. It's moving that fire. So anytime we're expressing the fire in an unproductive way, we're just adding fuel to it, right? And that one of the reasons why we were so passionate about bringing you on to the podcast is your work in, you know, creating a nonviolent world. And that there's been so much in this last year. I think that we've heard that there's been some of the greatest rates of physical abuse happening in the home, um, greater conflict um, interpersonally, and I think also um, probably with ourselves, right? And so there's just this texture of, of tension and aggression right now. And you're an elected save representative, right? And I think that this is a an extension of your uh, desire to create a nonviolent world. Can you please expand on what it is being a save representative and how that plays a role in, in this work, especially now? Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, SAVE stands for Stop America's Violence Everywhere. It's a uh, term under the American Medical Association. And what happened is due to my work as a yoga therapist, and initially before I started working in the schools, 
I start, I was working in uh, health clinics. I was working with doctors, um, doctors, chiropractors. Um, so I was it, orthopedists, you know, massage therapists, all, all that was the platform of my, of my delivery of this information. And, um, so as a result, I was part of the AMA Alliance. The AMA Alliance is a, is a division that means you're 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 in the medical field. You you support the medical field, but you're not necessarily an MD. And through the AMA Alliance, uh, I was at a, a conference in in Denver, and it was in 2004. And they were discussing the Columbine incident or the Columbine shooting, and they said, according to statistics and the AMA research, violence is on the rise and violence is on the rise in schools and we're, we're worried. And that was, it was like, um, I got to tell you, <laughs> for me, I don't mean to laugh. I'm not laughing at the violence. I'm laughing at what happened to me. You guys know that, that concept of Cinderella <laughs> when yeah. the fairy godmother comes and pops her on the forehead with her little, you know, wand and she suddenly changes into a beautiful gown. Yeah. I felt that way. I was sitting there and I just got this huge rush and like my whole body just went, whoa, whoa, I know what I can do. I can teach ahimsa in the schools and ahimsa means nonviolence to self and others. Ahimsa is the first vow uh, that we take to even practice yoga. And of course, we don't talk about that in yoga class, but it's part of it. Ahimsa, that we do not hurt ourselves. We don't push so hard on our yoga practice on our mat that we hurt ourselves, but it means nonviolence to self and others. So I thought, oh, this would be easy. I'll just teach this in the schools. Well, it's been an interesting journey, and um, I can't say it's been easy, but it's been so rewarding. And uh, we did four years of research with the Harvard School of Public Health to prove that we could get these behavioral changes. We could help with the aggression and also increase concentration and focus. So that's when we launched this program, and as a result, to get around to your question, that's when the AMA awarded me the um, title of SAVE representative for the state of Colorado back in 2007, 2006. And even to this day, I am still the SAVE representative as well as a state ambassador uh, for the AMA Alliance. So what that means is that we are constantly looking for programming to teach peace, to help people to learn self-regulate, no matter you know what age and what ability. I work a lot with special needs um, and special populations because they can get very frustrated as well. And if we could have everybody just learn a little bit this in the classroom, maybe we wouldn't have so much of the idea that, oh, I think the best way to deal with this situation is to riot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hear so many kind of, I don't know, life truths in, in so much of that one. Anything that's uh, worth doing is never easy. It's always hard. Uh, so this, it, you know, it should be easy, but the reality is it takes work. And then I love what you just said too. Like if we all could just take one step, 
you know, forward, then we think of all the changes that we could do. And so there's this idea that that first step is the hardest. And it's also just a small step is okay to get things started. Do you have any like specific stories where you've seen uh, someone really kind of have an aha moment or like a class take this on and really see embodying these principles make a dramatic difference in their their path. I think one of the cutest uh, stories I ever got was this young gentleman. We we talk about you know communication. Um, we, I teach nonviolent communication. It's a piece of it. That's why I say when you work with the other levels of yoga, when you're actually working with scenarios of talking and communicating, that's yoga too. And I always explain in the schools, you know, we're still doing yoga right now. And so working with nonviolent communication. And so this young man, and I want to say, oh boy, young, maybe third or fourth grade, we're talking young. You know, I always ask them to try to apply these things at home and come back and tell me and teach, teach your family members what you're learning. It's the only way to have it start to trickle out. And this, this boy came back and he said, oh yeah, he said this weekend, my grandma, she was yelling at me and she's yelling at me (laughs) and she's yelling. And he goes, and I thought about it. And he said, and it wasn't me. And he said, grandma, take three deep breaths and then talk to me. Wow. And she did. And she had the grandmother through my teaching and the mouth of a babe got the grandmother to go, you're right. You're right. I'm angry because of this and I'm taking it out on you. Yeah. And, and, but I had to train the kids. I train kids on, on having that discernment that goes back to that prefrontal cortex, um, the front lobe of your brain which is our reasoning brain, our making good choices as well, understanding um, that part of our brain does not get developed till we're 25 years old, which is why we know how teenagers can do the craziest things and they just don't even think. It's like, how could they do that? It's because they don't have that strong brain completely developed, but we can help develop that prefrontal cortex or AKA third eye the third eye through education and meditation. I'm having like a shift of perspective where instead of thinking as that third eye as something that is undeveloped, even though that is obviously the case, but that there's a malleability to it. That means that there's receptivity, right? And there, and that, that the time that you're catching these children at the time that they are forming it, could be far more powerful than than obviously once it's in this rigid state or set in stone state that there's this uh, there's just seems like I'm feeling so much potential and preventativeness in the work that you do. Yeah, well, that's the idea is the preventative work. But as we do know, you said the right word, the malleability. malleability malleability (laughs) that our brain is malleable and it's constantly changing and even as we're adults we can strengthen these portions and uh because this particular discussion was about families specifically and helping in the family i 
really contemplated this question of how do we really help the family? And I, I have to say that in this last year, even within my own extended family, there's been all kinds of interesting dynamics, uh, depending on, again, the social climate and what's been happening in the news. And there's just so much, uh, conversation that doesn't always uh, sound pretty. And one thing that I really found to be the best way to work with the family, whether you just have a bobbling child at home that's going stir crazy or whatever it is, is to find a family activity that everybody really likes to do. And that activity just can just really help because it gets everybody out of sort of that kind of left brain of I'm right, you're wrong kind of critical thinking and into just the joy of being connected as a family. And it can look as simple as, you know, doing an art project. I know one of the things my whole family did and we're all over the world. We all got online and did a Zoom call and we cooked together and we made one of a, a family traditional meal that my family has passed down and everybody was online. And there was, there were people in my family, extended family who didn't even talk to each other anymore. Mother and, 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 and son who were not even talking to each other. And yet they were able to get online and cook and we laughed and we had joy together. So That's really one of the best ways that I could figure out how to express, um, beside going back to your own meditation, to be able to handle all the differences of opinions, and so that you don't get angry at your kids, (laughs) the peace begins with you. Yeah. So this last year, my husband and I, to give some context, we've used to, I was working 60, 70 hour weeks, and then I made a big shift out of that industry a bit. And so then I became at home having more time, right? And my husband always worked out of the home and then now has been home, still is home. We don't have an office, so we're constantly uh, doing a dance in the house as to where, if I get a bedroom or he gets a kitchen and I'm in the basement, you know, it's like this dance. So our structure, like the way that we've lived our home life over the last, over a decade, has changed so dramatically that that on top of all of these very um, existential questions happening on the news and in our communities are um, igniting conversations that can make more opportunity for disparity than I ever realized. Just more opportunity to either agree or disagree consistently, plus more FaceTime, more physical time um, in the same environment. And so I love what you just mentioned because I didn't even know that we have been doing this, but we started to play a board game, um, you know, once or twice a week with our toddler. And that's been like the most connective time that we've had. And I didn't realize this until you said it, but it's it's just a feeling of peace and joy. And it, it's as simple as that. So I love the way that you you brought that up, that it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing, that it can be something, uh, just trying on something for size and doing it together. Well, it's the idea of finding neutral ground. Yeah. You found a neutral ground where there's no, no outer environmental stimulants that are affecting you in that moment. That moment is about focus of this moment 
And it's a wonderful moment right here, right now. And finding that, that lovely uh, connection and joy within your, your, your family unit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that neutrality that sort of just coming together and and having a moment where nothing else um, is distracting is, uh, you know, an act of presence and an act of yoga from from what we've clearly discussed. It's just it's all yoga. And I so appreciate that awareness that you've brought to something that is so profound yet so simple at the same time. Keep it simple. (laughs) And, you know, mindfulness, it's, it's all part of the new wave of how we're thinking. How can I be more mindful of these ideas? What can I do? Um, Ultimately, we're looking for our joy. We're looking for that, that deep compassion and love for ourselves and others. And in order to get there, we have to have patience with those we disagree with. We have to have patience with ourselves and we have to find that neutral ground. Where can people continue to press in and learn more about your work and be connected? Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, although I work with adults, um, I have put so much into the nonprofit that the only place I send people now is calmingkids.org. And on that website, we have videos for uh, families to view as well as uh, for the schools. We have a ton of support materials, uh, books and, and posters that we've created for the school classroom and for parents to use at home with their, with their families and kids. Uh, one of our favorite books is Finding Calm in a Moment which is a uh, meditation and movement book for um, all ages. So you can go to the website and read more about that. But in uh, two weeks on March 6th, I have a uh, Ayurveda training just a couple hours on a Saturday, March 6th. And it would be great to have you guys come. I'd love for you guys to join. And it's just learning more about how to balance within ourselves and to cope with all of the outer imbalances. <laughs> yeah, all of all of that um, that <laughs> external wind, right? <laughs> I just D, I just think that you are so um, so living your your soul purpose i loved the visual of the cinderella because i you know i think if only we were all blessed with that moment to find our purpose and our path and that through you know what a terrible accident you went through and and a shift that you've made so much powerful work out of it i am grateful to have had you on the podcast and um i know that like i said my mom's going to be probably sharing it with a thousand people as well so that's great thank you so much it's been such a pleasure to be here it's great well thank you Dee. thank you thanks so much be well